Hello and welcome back to COPS Kitchen Operations Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to learn and look into some soups. We're going to have a dive about, a swim around in a soup or two, and learn everything to do, uh, everything about soups. Last episode, we started the new unit, uh, prepare stocks, sauces, and soups. First episode focusing around stocks, and now we are diving into some soups. If you have any questions before we get into or during the podcast and you would like those questions answered or maybe asked and unpacked on a future episode, please email me at kitchenoperations.podcast at gmail.com and I will be sure to respond to your email or talk about it on an episode coming up. Soups. Soups have a long tradition in all cuisines throughout the world. Each cuisine uses soups in a different way, a variety of flavors, uh, types of soups, and this is a very interesting thing when it comes to soups and learning about soups and the tradition of soups. Soups are a perfect way of using offcuts, trimmings, any bones, any leftovers left in your kitchen to avoid wastage and maximize profit. Soups are classified into three main areas and then broken down into different categories from there. Firstly, we have clear soups such as uh, broths and consommes, thickened soups such as volettes, purees, bisques, and then miscellaneous soups, which kind of is anything that doesn't jump into the other two categories. Things like traditional soups that are only cooked in a certain one certain country or even cold soups. The nutritional considerations with soups are super, super important as soups can play different roles on a menu. They can be served as a main course and as your complete meal. Uh, when you dine in, it can be used as a entree to start your meal, uh, to whet the appetite as an appetizer, uh, different serving styles use different ways. So making sure that the nutritional balance of a soup, it's super important. So when you are planning out your menu, it is good to look at what type of menu are you creating to then match the soup that you are going to place on your menu. Making sure that a soup is nutritionally balanced, for example, a say a French onion soup. We don't just look at the soup, but we also look at the garnishes and the way it's served and finished. So a French onion soup, the base of it is a uh, stock uh, substance cooked with onion and garlic, uh, but we add things like a cheese crust on top and some parsley and some croutons uh, to make sure that the soup is nutritionally balanced and perfect to eat. Placing uh, our soups into our classifications that we briefly spoke about just before, now that we have looked at some nutritional value, we kind of are starting to feel what soups are all about. We need to make sure that we understand what soup we are serving. So clear soup, thickened soup, miscellaneous soup. So let's unpack that a little further. So clear soup 
like a consomme, is an unthickened broth or stock, okay, which is richer flavour. Whatever broth or stock that you have made, whether that's a fish stock, a chicken stock, a beef stock, it's full of flavour or broth, full of flavour uh, and ready to be consumed straight away. A broth, very simply, is a clear soup without solid ingredients. Okay, so no extras are added. And a prime example of that is a Vietnamese pho, okay, where we add some, maybe some Vasili noodles, rice noodles, we add some chopped sliced beef on top and other ingredients. A vegetable soup, okay, is a clear soup that we add more vegetables on top of the already made stock and broth, okay? A good example of that is a minestrone. Thickened soup. Okay, a thickened soup is used and thickened by a thickening agent such as milk cream, puree, uh, and a good example of a couple of soups for that is a cream of potato soup or a cream of chicken soup. We have puree soups, okay, nutritionally uh, thickened from pureeing and simmering down ingredients such as, say, cauliflower. Okay, and then passed through and pureed. A bisque, often and commonly made from shellfish or anything really from the sea, uh, is a thickened cream soup. Chowder is a hearty soup, which is made from fish, shellfish, but also adds some vegetables uh, and usually contains milk and potato. Now that we kind of are have covered our classifications and then broken that down into different sections, we are going to unpack soups even further and learn how each are made. But before that, we need a fun fact. It's time to sit back, relax and learn something new with our fun facts. And today's fun fact is about the Berlin Wall. Yes, the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall was considered Pretty much impossible to get over, to escape from, uh, if you're trapped on one side of uh, the Berlin Wall. But one acrobat by the name of, I hope I pronounce this correctly, Horst Klein. Horst Klein escaped the Berlin Wall by simply disguising himself as an electrical power pole cable and used a real electrical power cable to simply use as a tightrope and wander across the wall, obviously above the wall. Fascinating. He used his acrobatic skills, not just for entertaining people and wowing the crowds, but also to escape and get over the Berlin Wall. Fun fact about the story, he also, once he actually made it across uh, the line, the tightrope line, he actually didn't know how he was going to get down from the pole, but he was on suddenly on the right side of the Berlin Wall, so he just simply just jumped off and actually broke his both of his arms, but it didn't matter because, I mean, he escaped and got over the wall. So, so funny. Shout out to Horst Klein, who just simply waltzed across a little tightrope tight uh, to escape and get over the Berlin Wall. Ah, now that we're refreshed and our fun fact is done and we've learned something new, time to learn more about some soups. So, 
Thickened soups, uh, we're going to look at a puree soup. So let's have a look at a puree. So puree soups, often made from vegetables, can be also made from starches or rice, uh, are simply cooked in a stock to add some flavour, and they are cooked slowly, simmered, until they are tender. Okay, then they are blended and passed all passed through a strainer uh, to make sure that we have a smooth texture. And it's passed through until it is smooth. We don't want it to be uh, un, unsmooth, lumpy. Okay, you want that smooth mouth feel when you eat uh, a desired puree soup. To add to this, to make sure that you get that right uh, texture, you need to ensure that you cut your vegetables at the same size to make sure that they cook at the same time, okay? So that means we don't have large cuts of carrots, say, and small cuts of pumpkin because the pumpkin obviously is going to cook down a lot faster and your carrots will be uncooked or vice versa, your pumpkin will be overcooked and you start losing your uh, flavor and your the pureness of your puree soup. So you need to make sure that they are evenly cut and cooked down at the same time so that they are passed and nice and smooth all together and at the highest quality. Once your puree soup is prepared, if you are not using the puree soup in that instant or during that service, okay, you need to chill the soup quickly, okay, to retain the freshness of the taste of that puree soup. So really important that if you're not using the puree soup that you've just prepared and it's for the next day or whatever, you chill it as soon as possible. Uh, when you reheat it, Okay, obviously we uh, need to reheat it above 75 degrees and we only reheat what we want to use. Okay, uh, and also one last little pointer, make sure that we don't overcook our vegetables or starches or rices, okay, so that we optimize our taste and our flavor um, and make sure that um, we have the most perfect little puree ever. Bisques, bisques, sorry that was nice and loud for you all, wake you all up. These are produced from sauteing shellfish carcasses more often than not, because again, we want to optimize our uh, profit and minimize waste and use everything. And then they are thickened with a roux or a rice, okay? A bisque is simply using shellfish as your base and you want that strong flavor there and then thicken it at the end. You can also use uh, chicken stock or fish stock in your bisque, okay? Uh, cooking for roughly 30 minutes, thicken after that, okay? Uh, but the flavor there might not quite be as, as good as actually starting with the carcass, shellfish carcass and sauteing those down. Unpassed soups. Unpassed soups are produced um, unformally cut. Yeah, so like it's just you cut up your vegetables, um, whatever other flavors you're putting in there, some bones or whatever, um, and you're not you're not putting it through like a puree. Okay, uh, and then we have our miscellaneous soups. So some miscellaneous soups, cold soups are probably a good one to remember with that. Um, a good example of uh, cold soup, a uh, very common one is gazpacho, okay, uh, and is classed as a miscellaneous soup. 
and any other miscellaneous soup that may come from a certain country or region that doesn't really fit in any of the other areas. It's super important to remember when we are cooking our soups, we are patient with our soups, okay? We are, if we cook our soups at a high temperature, at a rapid boil, we are losing our nutritional value in our stocks and in our broths and in our soups. Remember also a little problem solving for you. If you're cooking a soup that contains uh, lassians, it is important not to boil the soup. Okay, I just mentioned boiling soups are not a good idea anyway, but especially because it contains the egg and the egg will coagulate and form specks of scrambled egg in that soup and no one wants that. When we talk about soups and the yield and the costs, um, of soups, it is soup is very profitable if you do it right. Okay, so when we say a yield test is how much is it costing to prepare and make the soup. Okay, and most soups you will be able to use the extras that you're not using in your kitchen. Then we also need to make sure that we get our serving sizes right for our costs and. Although soups are used and served many different ways, the service style and size stay the same for different types of menus. So for an a la carte or a main kind of soup serve size, it's 200 mils. Why, if you're going for more an entree or something like a hors d'oeuvre or something like that, something smaller, it may contain only 60 mils uh, of soup. And then you work your costs out accordingly, but they are very profitable menu items. The time timelines, workflows, hygiene, all that, everything that and cleaning, hygiene of our soups um, that we haven't really covered and are starting to kind of finish up and cover everything that we've needed to cover. It is important that we work out when we need to prepare our mise en place. So obviously for a soup in a kitchen, our mise en place for a soup may be prepared at the end, towards the end of the day or the end of a uh, preparation time so that we can know what we have left over and from there deciding maybe what our soup of the day is, so our special soup or what soups we're going to use on our menu. Making sure that our soups also are very time efficient, so they shouldn't be things that are taking a lot of time. And last but not least, we want our soups to all taste the consistent, okay? So if you make a cream pumpkin soup for the kitchen and then I go and make it the next day, we are making exactly the same, which means we should have a recipe and a workflow for each individual soup in a kitchen. Garnishes for soups that vary according to the type of soup they may be. We've got things like shallots, we've got things like croutons, we've got things like fresh herbs, we've got things like cheese. A lot of different garnishes are used for soups and that will match accordingly to what soup you are preparing. Croutons are a very popular Thing to use as a garnish for soups because uh, bread matches nicely uh, with a 
soup. So a quick shout out to our crouton family um, and what a crouton is. It is simply normally old, older bread that we're no longer using uh, or cut side cuts of a bread roll or uh, a bread loaf that we're not using that we simply use a little bit of clarified butter, place it, brush it over the top of our bread that we've cut into little cubes or nice thin strips, placing on a lined uh, oven tray and we are simply cooking it for a few minutes, creating that Millard reaction, starting to brown the croutons uh, to, until they are nice and dry. We don't want our bread to be still uh, moist uh, or soft. We want to dry it out at a low temperature to make sure that it, it is nice and crunchy, not overcooked, uh, and that butter flavor kind of hits with our croutons as well. Really important there. The storing of soups, our kind of our last area of soups that we need to worry about, um, ties into everything that we've kind of spoken about here. Obviously, our temperature of our soups should be, if they're freshly cooked, above 60. If we're not using our soups, make sure that we cool them down before putting them into uh, our cool room fridge space that is one to four degrees, or if we're freezing it down because we've got lots, making sure we cool it down, but that it is not kept in the danger zone from between five and 60 degrees for longer than two to four hours using our two to four hour rule. You will hear me say on probably most episodes of the danger zone, five to 60 degrees in our storage temperatures of fridges and freezers, freezers being negative 15 to negative 21, because it is so important that we know this and are monitoring this in our kitchens. So once we have cooled down our soup a little bit um, and have placed it into our containers, wherever we're storing it, obviously labeling it, we then seal it okay, by using a lid or cling, cling wrap, whatever you're using to cover it, and then storing it in our designated area in our fridge or freezer. Okay, We don't put our lid on to start with as we let it cool down after it's freshly been cooked because we don't want that steam um, hitting the lid and a more moisture being added to it because obviously we know uh, liquid can create bacteria if we're not careful with that. So we want to let it breathe and kind of cool down naturally and then placing a lid on top and storing. Again, really important to keep away from any other foods, especially raw foods, um, so that we have no cross-contamination in our fridge, our freezer, in our workspace. Um, that's even when we are preparing our soups as well. We are using different bones, we're using different meats, we're using different vegetables, but making sure still that cross-contamination, our clean bench space is being constantly monitored along the way. Making sure that we use our nice, simple FIFO principle, first in, first out. If we have some potato and leek soup that we've made and there's already a little bit left in the fridge, that we put the new stuff behind that so that the older stuff is used first. And we're keeping everything at the highest quality without any wastage in our kitchen. Last but not least, soups can also be served takeaway style. So ensuring that the lids are sealed uh, and everything's properly labelled. Allergens are labelled, especially things like bisques, obviously shell food, 
shellfish um, are super, super uh, common allergen and people get sick from those things. Obviously, we need to make sure that we have that all clearly labeled on our soups, especially for takeaway. Also, anything that may contain dairy or nuts or anything like that. Anyway, I hope you have learned something new about soups today uh, and I've enjoyed today's episode. Until next time we see each other, we will be talking about sources and continually unpacking and diving into this unit for pear stocks, sources and soups. Until next time, stay safe. It is Jordan here, your host. Have a great week. Have a great afternoon. Keep smiling. We will talk and be back soon. See ya.